This is the second time we've recorded and something is missing. I'm here. You're here. Check and check. There's no coffee on the table today. Oh, it's Lent. Are you? Did you give up coffee? Uh, no, I had coffee earlier, but I don't... <laughs> You're not indulging. I am not addicted. Yeah. <laughs> That's what an addict says. Yeah. I, uh, I, I could stop anytime I wanted. <laughs> That's what they really say, right? I, uh, I, had, I have already had two cups today. Me too. And, and I'm supposed to have a meet somebody for coffee this afternoon so i thought we didn't need any more something ca- is caffeine. missing but the people who count are here <laughs> the, you and i and the holy the, spirit the, no the holy spirit and the audience and the audience hi everyone welcome to the 23 podcast my name is michael this is father herb and you are the audience and uh it's good to be with you as we are just cruising through lent here uh as we get ready for the fourth Sunday of Lent coming up this weekend. Now, I know I'm going to make a a public uh, statement. Public confession? No, it's not a confession. It's it's just an acknowledgement that I know over the last three weeks, I've introduced a new song every weekend to the parish. Oh, yes. You should go to confession for that. But I think I I just want to... And nobody has really said much of anything. So this isn't in response to complaints or anything. Uh, I'm just saying I I want people to know that we... As we talked about on a previous episode, kind of like our process of selecting music for the weekends and things like that, um, we really went all of COVID without any new music at the parish. Now, our... Our repertoire in general is new, even if the songs are 15 years old. And, and if people have just joined us from another parish or from no parish, there, there is a certain learning curve to begin with. Sure. I like to keep people on their toes. But uh, yeah, so some new songs for the Lenten season. And then just so people know what's coming, I'm not, I'm not letting up. There's more to come yet. So come Easter. Oh, I like, I like that phrase. There's more to come. More St. John the 23rd. There's, There's more, more to come. come. Uh, starting on Easter Sunday, we're going to start a new Mass setting, which, uh, if you're not familiar with what that means, we'll be doing a new Glory to God, a new Holy Holy. Starting on Easter? Yeah, we're doing it big this year. So will they have a chance to learn it before? On Easter. So everybody has to come to two Masses. One is uh, the rehearsal, and then the second one is where you can sing along. Oh, they'll have the whole Easter season to get to know it. But uh, it's it's an Easter it's a Mass setting written for the Easter season. And I thought, well, it seems a little lethargic to start it on the second Sunday of Easter when the the, the even better and Sunday. If, and if it's if it's written for Easter season, it's hard to start it during Lent. Yeah, can't no, not so, so much. Okay, so when you write your Mass. The Mass of Herb Weber? No. I'm dedicating it to you. No. You only do that after I'm dead. Oh. Uh, if you write your Mass, do it yeah. for the 90 days. The, all of Lent the, and the, all of the Easter? The 40 days of Lent and the 50 days of Easter. That would be hard, though, because the tone... It's all the same mystery. It's redemption. It is. But I like, you know, Lent is a minor key. Easter is a major key. If we put it in but music you could, terms. But you could have it change halfway through. <laughs> Or we'll just play everything in a minor key during Lent and just change it to a major key on Easter Sunday. That doesn't always work well. Can can you transpose on the spot? Yeah. Isn't that supposed to be one of your skills? I mean, musicians yeah. in general do that. Yeah. Now, if I'm being really honest, I have a cheat here at the church because there's a transposer on the piano. Okay. But I do generally try to transpose because when we have to transpose, the whole band is transposing. Yeah. You know, Irving Berlin. Yeah. 
could I know not, I, could, I, could not write in any key other than what uh, what's, C probably C whatever. C major yeah but he had this little piano and this was way before the electronic stuff yeah that would change it for him so so he wrote all those Broadway musicals and all the famous pieces that people still sing sure but he all wrote that he wrote them with a very limited ability to play piano well and a lot of people may not know instruments are pitched in different keys i know that but i haven't been figured i haven't been able to understand that like how does that work so like a a piano is in the key of c of and a flute and a violin are all in the key of c so when i play a c on the piano they also play a c and it's the same tone. Right. Uh, but like a trumpet is pitched in B flat. So when a trumpet player plays a C to them, it's actually a B flat to me. I hear you. Uh, or a uh, alto sax is pitched in E flat. So it also works that way. So that's when transpositions get a little nutty because okay. they start. I came to- out to my car and the tire B flat. Uh <laughs> 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 oh. oh, okay. I think we better get into the readings. You said the fourth Sunday of Lent. Yes, this is a this is a good gospel reading this weekend. This is one of the biggies. Uh, I'm a it, little. I'm going to be gone this weekend, so when I saw this, I thought, "Oh, I miss. I'm missing one of my favorites." Well, it does get read in the the cycle of readings. It's in usually around September. You know, we have a three-year cycle of Sunday readings, and yeah. it's it's in the cycle. I remember it was the passage we read the Sunday after 9-11 uh-huh. in 2001. Really? Yeah, it was I the don't... gospel reading. It's uh, from Luke chapter 15. We now, should tell them what it is. Well, no, not yet. Oh, not yet. I'm building up to it. Okay. Chapter 15 is incredibly powerful. It's three parables. There's a little introduction for three verses. And then Jesus tells a parable of uh, the hundred lost sheep. Mm -hmm. And they leave uh, one lost sheep out of a hundred and he leaves the 99 behind. Yes. Then the parable of the 10 lost coins Mm -hmm. and the the woman sweeps the house to find them. And then it goes into the long one. Okay, so what we're doing this week uh, for this reading, the fifth Sunday of, fourth Sunday of Lent, Mm Uh, we are skipping those first two parables of the the lost sheep and the lost coin mm-hmm. and going into the biggie. And the biggie is probably one of the best known parables in all of the gospels. And usually if I say that, it's a well-known gos- uh, parable. People e- say it's either the prodigal son or the good, the Samaritan. good Samaritan. And which one is this? The prodigal son. Okay. This is how we're going to read it. I should have said the prodigal Samaritan. Just yes. To... <laughs> well, actually, in a sense, he was. Uh, I'm going to let you read the whole first part, okay. and I will read when he actually returns. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus, but the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them, Jesus addressed this parable. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them, and after a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. 
When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods in which the swine fed, but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here am I dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look! All these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your father... Your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't know Julie Andrews was in this. The Sound of Music, what was it? Well, it said that he came back and he, to the Sound of Music. <laughs> I, I could just hear him yeah. running and... The hills, hills are alive with... <laughs> No, that's different sound of music. I, I think you just ruined the mood that I, we had I was, established by reading this. Well, to be expected. Let, let, me, uh, let me examine the very first part before the son left. First of all, he's the second son. Mm-hmm. So some people debate how much his inheritance even would have been. Because, it, you know, typically, typically nowadays people divide up money evenly amongst their children but not necessarily in those days right okay so that's the first thing but when he said give me my inheritance my share of the estate Mm -hmm. well the estate was not divided till the person had died so in a in effect the son was saying to the father dad you are now dead to me this is like when I'm going to write your mass setting. This is exactly what yeah. we were talking about. You earlier. are now dead to me. Yeah. You don't mean a thing to me, just the stuff. Yeah. 
And so it was, it was like a terrible slap in the face to the father. Mm -hmm. But the father did it. That, this is the extravagance. We use the word the prodigal son, and I looked up the word prodigal, and it does mean extravagance, like overdoing and like uh, without discipline. You just can't uh, hold back. You just, you know, a spendthrift, you know, the person who just goes out and spends or uh, elaborately does this and that, just keeps on going and going and going. Yeah. We call it the prodigal son because the prodigal son spent like there was no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And by the way, there was no tomorrow. Right. But a lot of people think of it really more as the prodigal father because he does not hold back. And the main character of the story is really the father, not the, not son. the son. But we have the three characters, the father, the son, and the son. The younger son, the older son. Mm -hmm. And there's that famous painting by Rembrandt of um, the uh, return of the prodigal son. Yes, it's on the cover of the book to that. Which is called... The prodigal son. No, is I it? I think it's called The Return of the Prodigal Son. I think you're right. Yeah. Who but wrote that? Now on Henry Now on. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, but in that, and I'm not a fan of that particular portrait because mm -hmm. it's so dark. You have Literally, to look, it's dark. It's, it's very dark. I don't mean dark as in bleak. It's just heavy, dark painting. Yes. And there's a couple of other characters in the picture that you don't even notice right at first. But here we basically have the three people. The my favorite part is the part that I got to read, of course. <laughs> That's why you gave it to you, yeah. to yourself. It the son leaves, and I, I gave you the part about squandering his inheritance on dissipation. <laughs> Are you trying to say that as what I, 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 I would I, be likely? It's to do? not typecasting or anything, no. <laughs> but I, I just knew that you would read that well. Thank you. <laughs> and then there's a severe famine. You know, I gave you that part because it's sort of like the errors of his way. I said he spent like there was no tomorrow and that there was no tomorrow. Mm -hmm. It was just extravagant as could be. Like anything goes, just spend and spend and spend. Yeah. I've been reading during Lent uh, a biography of St. Charles de Foucault. Oh, yeah. We who, talked about yeah, that. Okay. Well, he had quite an inheritance. He had a lot of money. And as a young man, he would spend it all and lavish eating. They called him Piggy because he was so fat. <laughs> and... Uh, Eventually, he ended up becoming a Trappist monk, and even that wasn't enough. He became a hermit in mm -hmm. the desert in northern Africa. So he went wow. from one extreme to the other. But the first part was like they finally had to appoint a trustee mm -hmm. to control his money because he was spending it all. Mm. So there should have been a trustee for this uh, younger son. <laughs> that would have been a good idea. So anyway, coming to his senses, but I love the part when he returns. He's got the line rehearsed, you know. Right, because I, I read the line first. Yeah. What, what he was thinking to himself. Yeah, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I love that phrase. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as a hired worker. Now, even there, a hired worker gets paid. So Sure. He in, was, in his mind... Being a hired worker was still a better gig than when he was hanging out with the swine at the farmer's well, house. Well, remember, it's a Jewish crowd. You're hanging out feeding swine. How low can you go? Sure. You know, so it was like the epitome of failure. His life had fallen apart. He had hit, hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. So then he comes back, and the father, this is the greatest part of the whole thing. It's like the father's out looking for him. 
Like, when's my kid going to come home? Yeah. And like he would go out every day and just, you can almost see him standing there with his hand over his eyes to to cut out the, the glare of the sun, looking out on the horizon. Yeah. Is, is there somebody out there? Mm-hmm. And finally he sees this figure and it comes closer and closer. You can imagine that it is always on the back of his mind, right? Always, it, maybe in the front of his mind. Bec- the, the only thing that I can liken to it, and it's not on the same level, so I'm not comparing apples to apples here, but I remember, remember when I had my trusty beagle, Toby? Oh, yes, I love to- Toby. Toby would to- come in my office and actually make the round of smelling absolutely everything he, in the office. He put the hound in hound dog. Yeah. Uh, so I used to have a beagle. He's no longer with us, but he got out of our yard one night, as beagles often do, because once they pick up a scent, they just go for it. And he got out of the yard, and um, we had some friends over at the time, and we drove everywhere looking for him, and we, he was nowhere to be found. It was, and, and you were opening the window shouting, Toby, Toby. <laughs> right, right, and people thought, who's Toby? But anyway, so we were, we were driving around looking for him, couldn't find him anywhere. It was getting dark at that point, and there was just no t- real, real chance of finding him. And I could remember going to bed that night thinking, this is awful. He's out there somewhere, and I wasn't able to find him. And who knows how far away he's gotten at that point. I remember not sleeping well that night. I would wake up every, you know, 30 minutes or so because I would think you'd think you would hear something outside. So you'd look out the window to see if it was him or if you would, you know, you would wake up and you would just immediately remember the anxiety you have over the situation. Um, He eventually did come back. The next did morning. he come back on his own? He did. Well, a neighbor brought him. They they remembered that we had the beagle, and he must have made it into their their yard at some point. So I remember that feeling about my little my little Toby beagle. I can only imagine how this father would have felt about his own son, and that mine was only you know over one night. But you know a a caretaker's love of a dog versus a father's love for his son is so much more immense. It, yeah. it must have been. That's a powerful story. You're going to use it in your homily? I'll, I'll say I, ha- I had this dog. It was a beagle. It, it got out of my yard. <laughs> and everyone that listens to the podcast will look over at me. And all, I'll, all, all six of them. And I'll wave. But yeah, I, I think it, it, it's very similar. It's a very similar experience. So let's now relate this to God and how he okay. wait, waits on us. Well, first of all, God doesn't just always wait. God is actively seeking. Sure. God seeks people out. And sometimes I can, you don't see the father literally running to the foreign land where the son was, but I think the God would, mm-hmm. God would run into the land. God would bring him back. Um, but it doesn't even stop there. He doesn't just reluctantly bring him back and it's not like well i'll take you back this time but don't you ever do it again you know that it just the opposite like i'll put the ring on your fingers and i'll uh, i'm gonna feed you and we're gonna have a feast that is interesting that you were talking about the previous parable with the the lost sheep the shepherd does actively go to seek out the lost one yeah here it is a bit more passive in the sense that the father remains at the house and the son comes back to him but just, the but the image is still yeah it's it's it, he's waiting but it's not passive he's actively looking for him sure yeah it's it's a very very powerful image now we don't have a whole lot of time but the others the other brother did you notice 
the other brother doesn't even call him. My, he doesn't say, my, my brother has come home. The mm-hmm. servant says that. Right. But he says... Um, your son. Your, yeah, he says to his father, your son returns who swallowed up your property with prostitutes. Can you, boy, can you imagine that son trying to learn how to forgive his own brother? Mm-hmm. You know, look what he did. He ruined my name, not just his own. Mm-hmm. But you've, uh, you've treated him so well. And I think there are many people that are very reluctant when somebody else s- seems to have this wild life and then uh, receives grace and gets to start over again. Mm. We can't be jealous. We should be happy. We have to be like the father, not the other brother. Sure. The image too here, and it, I was just checking back to look at at what you read, and it doesn't say, it just says he went back to his father. But sometimes we hear the image of like running Right, he was running back. Right, and that reminds me, actually, a song that you guys will sing this weekend. Run, run to the Father. You know that it's a, it's also a response on our part to take action and to return. So while God is ever seeking and ever actively pursuing, it also requires us to respond and move back in the direction towards God. Always coming back to to someone else. Yeah, yeah. the word reconciliation is literally you know putting it back together. You know, it's like something is broken, and in this case, a relationship, and so uh, mending mending it. You know, speaking of reconciliation, if you're listening to this podcast on Thursday, the day it comes out, our Lenten Reconciliation Service is tonight. That is correct. So what a great opportunity to come and join us. And to run to the Father. All right, friends. Uh, if you aren't able to make the reconciliation service tonight there are others at neighboring churches in the coming weeks you can probably find those in the bulletin and uh we hope that you can make it to the sacrament of reconciliation uh, before we celebrate easter all right we will see you next week i'll be here me too bye